Good morning, Anastasia Church. I'm so glad there's people here to worship in the house of the Lord. Why don't you go ahead and stand up this morning and we'll worship together.
Amen, church. Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. You enjoy worship? Man, I got to give it to Bethany. You're playing two keyboards at once and singing. Isn't that incredible? You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Hey, whether you're watching online this morning or you're here in the house, thank you for being a part of what God is doing right here in Anastasia, for worshiping with us, for being together. Uh, God is just on the move, and we're so excited to see what he's got in store for us next couple things, if you are new with us, whether you're in the house or whether you're watching home, it's your first time watching, a couple ways that you can uh, help us connect to you and serve you. Uh, one of those ways is really simple. Uh, you can pull out your smartphone and you can text the number 7411. And if you would like to connect to the church, you're going to type go, the word G-O, to the number two, and then connects. You're going to text that in the body of the text, and that's going to prompt you to get some more information on how to get involved and get connected here. Whether you've got prayer requests or praises or just want more info on next steps to get involved, use that resource. And then like it if you just want to hear what's going on in the life of the church, what new things we have coming up. You can use that same number, 7411, and then you can type the word go to news, and that will help you. Uh, get connected and what's going on. But we have some exciting things as it relates to our children's ministry. I ask Julia to give us that info as it talks about news. So we are so excited and gearing up for September 20th. If you are in the first grade or if you have a first grader in your life, we are going to do a soft launch, um, just a celebration of them moving up in our children's ministry. And then on the following week, September 26th, our three-year-olds through fifth grade children's ministry is back and we are so excited to just love on them and um, pour into them some more and so um, there will be um, pre-registration involved with that so go ahead and look at Anastasia Kids for more information our kids ministry uh, carrying off and kicking off here real soon so we're very excited to be in prayer for our children's ministry uh, and be excited. Lots of other things. Again, use that resource for the news. There's a lot of things coming up. We have some Bible studies uh, that are gearing up for Wednesday nights. Of course, LifeHouse is continuing. So lots of things happening on going on life in the church. So be sure that you're connected. One incredible thing that we have coming on this morning is uh, Pastor Jeremy Carlton, our new youth pastor, is going to be sharing the word this morning. So we're excited uh, for him to come speak for us here in just a few minutes. Uh, but let's pray together and uh, just go to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you this morning. God, that your presence is near to us, Lord, whether we're in the house this morning, whether we're at home, God, your presence is near to us, Lord. You are here. You are with us. And God, as your spirit moves and directs our lives, God, help us to respond. Lord, we pray uh, for Pastor Jeremy. Uh, we're so, so very grateful for him and his family, and, and God, that they were able just to move here this weekend finally, and so we're excited for them and look forward uh, to what you're going to continue to do through him and uh, through his family here at Anastasia. So God, just prepare our hearts as uh, he gets ready to share the word this morning. We love you, and we pray all these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Sam. Thank you guys um, for um, having me this morning, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Anastasia Baptist Church. And I, first of all, just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for being patient with me and my family as we have moved here, as we've been um, coming here from Fort Lauderdale. Actually started on staff here on July 1st. So then it took us two months to to actually get moved here and we closed on our house on September 2nd and we are all moved in and we are St. Augustine residents. So thank you guys 
for being patient with me and my family. I'm sure you guys already know this, but the word Anastasia means new life, to stand again or resurrection. Isn't that cool? So as I got to, to know this place, I was like, what does Anastasia mean? Where does it come from and all that? And it means resurrection. So our church is literally resurrection church. Isn't that awesome? We celebrate the resurrection, the only religion where we have a living Lord. We know he is alive and um, he has brought new life into our church. He's brought our lives into this church. And I'm really excited about what God is going to do through our family, through this church family, from the bottom of our hearts. We just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for loving us. Um, at the last church that I was at um, 14 years ago, we came in and that church just loved us so good. And I just, I, I've told so many of them, I felt like, uh, th like this place is much like that, is so much like that, and that you guys have just loved us, welcomed us, been so kind and generous to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you um, for being who you are. So the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in one of his letters, he said, I didn't come to you with eloquence of speech or superior wisdom while I was with you. I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I wanna say that same thing to you this morning, is that I am sorry, but I don't have an awesome message for you this morning. It's not fantastic. I don't wanna wow you with my words. Um, and as a matter of fact, the, the Bible's pretty clear that there is nothing that I could do to persuade you to salvation or sanctification, but God alone can speak something to you this morning that will matter for eternity. God alone could draw you to salvation. God alone could do a work in your heart. And so it is my prayer this morning that you don't hear me, but that you experience him. So with that said, will you guys uh, bow your heads and pray with me this morning? God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together in worship. Um, Lord, we are a gathering faith and we love you. The Holy Spirit in me connects with the Holy Spirit in these that are here, connects with the Holy Spirit that, are, that is with those that are watching online, Lord, and, and it ministers to us. We encourage each other and we are encouraged by you. So Lord, we pray that we will experience you this morning that we will hear from you this morning. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. So are you over 2020 already? <laughs> Can I get an amen, right? Um, how has your 2020 been so far? Right? Has it been amazing? Or maybe less than stellar, right? You know, um, I'm sure you probably don't see enough memes during the week, but if you haven't, I um, have a couple more that might describe your 2020 experience so far. So um, just throw a couple of these memes up here on the screen, guys. Um, maybe you felt like you were ready for 2020, but maybe you're feeling like this guy, right? That might describe you. Go ahead and hit the next one. Um, you know, everything was good until Popeye's had to go messing with God's chicken. What is up with that? I think that guy was like, hey, don't mess with my chicken or else... I'm gonna get you guys, right? That's how 2020 is for us. Go ahead and hit the next one. Okay, so a nice little cup of 2020 and <laughs> poke in the eye. Maybe this, maybe this last one is you. Um, maybe you're a, a, a snack food eater. But that just, that about sums up 2020 for me, you know? Not, not too great, right? Not too great. But in, in all seriousness, you know, um, 
there's a worldwide pandemic going on, and I don't want to—I um, don't want to make light of that necessarily. But coronavirus has affected a ton of people, and it has really affected the way we live our lives. It's affected absolutely everything in, our, in the whole entire world. Hurricane Isaiah, Isaias, um, Hurricane Laura, um, and, and the many hurricanes that have come by and have just so much um, destruction, violent protests that are that are all around our nation. How about that explosion in Beirut? In Lebanon, that was crazy. And, and on video, so that so many of us could see it, people were just kind of videoing all that. I mean, the, the explosion, people have, have lost their jobs. People lost their jobs, and that's very real, affecting people in a, in a very, very real and practical way. And um, thousands of people, and you probably know some, I know some, that have lost their lives, lost, lost loved ones in 2020, not just from like kind of normal stuff, but from pandemic, from, from the, the depression, from stresses, from all the things that, it's been a crazy, crazy year. What about all of the division in our country? You know, there are people who are so passionate and divided in their opinions that it actually leads them to hate other people they once loved. And maybe it's um, weighing down on you I mean, 2020 was supposed to be the year of promise, but it was a disaster, right? I mean, it's been, it's been a tough year. Are you, maybe it's, it's burdened you. Maybe it's, um, you feel like your situation has become too much to bear. How has it affected you? Is it maybe a little bit something deeper inside? You haven't really gone there in your feelings. You're like, I'm kind of not, not trying to, to think about this right now. I'm trying not to go there in my emotions. One thing that I have learned this past year this year of transition for us, is that there truly are a lot of people, more than you know, that are struggling, that are hurting, that are going through something incredibly difficult in their life. I mean, why has that song Waymaker become so popular? Why has that song Touch of Heaven become so popular? Because it's really striking a chord with so many people that are going through some really difficult things. And in the book of 2 Corinthians, where we're going to be um, looking at today, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in a time where they were seriously struggling and his heart was burdened for it. Check out this, this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. It says this, um, Paul was writing to them and he says, beside everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul was struggling over what the Corinthian church was going through. I wanna ask you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The words are actually not gonna be on the screen for the passage that we're gonna be looking at today. So I wanna ask you to go ahead and get out a Bible. Get out a, an iPad, get out an iPhone if you didn't bring a paper Bible. Get out your paper Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because that's where we're gonna be looking at this passage today. The Corinthians were struggling with sin and quarreling, lust. They were struggling with theological heresies and, and misunderstandings. And their struggles were so great that Paul actually spent more time writing to this church than any of the other churches. There were actually four uh, letters that went out to the Corinthian church. We have two of them. There, there are other ones that he, um, that he implies that he wrote and different visits that he went several times. And, and the, the Corinthian church was, was struggling. 
They didn't quite have it all together. And Paul spent a lot of time uh, writing to them. He had a sensitive heart. He had a pastor's heart for these hurting people. And it caused even him much emotional pain and physical stress in his life. And that's where we find Paul in this passage for 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So I'm reading from the CSB. I encourage you to read, read along. It says this. Boasting is necessary. It is not profitable. But I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. See, I know that this man, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Just a quick little side thing. This is Paul. He's probably walking back and forth in his little room. And he's probably kind of talking to a scribe who's writing this down. That's why he repeats those things. I know a man. Whether he's, and he was caught in the third heaven. Whether he's in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I know this man, whether he's in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He kind of repeats himself. That's why he does that, right? So, um, so that's what's happening here. He says, so I know this man who was caught up into paradise and, I heard, and he heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears in me, especially because of these extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I wouldn't exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that in Christ's, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So an interesting thing about this passage is that Paul, and, and I read it for years, and I thought he was actually talking about somebody else, but as I actually got in and studied this, I realized that Paul is talking about himself. He says, I know a man. And he was, he was speaking in the third person about himself. He says, I know a man who was caught up into heaven, because this was a big deal for the Corinthians. They put a lot of value in this, and they say, whoa, he was caught up into the heavens. Whoa, he had this revelation. Oh, he had this vision. Oh, he heard from the Lord. And they put a lot of value on this, and they actually kind of exalted Paul up to a level where he shouldn't be. And Paul was talking about himself here, and he was actually leading to a point of weakness and vulnerability. And he was saying, he was speaking of himself in the third person to further communicate his humility. And I think that this is one thing, it's a, it's a hallmark of great leaders, is humility. Um, great leaders are authentic. Great leaders are humble. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, He's saying, I don't want you to think any more of me than necessary. And I want to say the same thing to you today. Don't put me up on a pedestal because I'm sitting here bringing the word to you guys this morning. I'm nothing. I'm a king of fools. I'm a worm. Nobody is perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. Go ahead and do it. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I know, I know you're not perfect. Right? <laughs> None of us are perfect. Paul is getting to this point when it's leading up to this point in the, in, the, in the passage here where he's going to be talking about his incredible weakness. 
He had some sort of a thorn in his flesh. And we translate it, you probably heard it, I got a thorn in the flesh, thorn in the flesh, thorn in the flesh. You've probably heard of that, that phrase a whole bunch of times, the thorn. But the word is actually, if you go to the, to the Greek word, the word is actually scallops. It means a sharp stake or a pail. This was a large stake that was used to maybe impale people. So um, it's, it's a graphic word that meant incredible pain. So the word might actually be better translated a stake in the flesh. Something that, that caused him incredible pain. And he really wanted it gone. We don't know what it was. It could have been a problem with his eyes. Um, people think that, that Paul may have had um, some sort of a vision issue. It could have been migraines. Have you got any migraine strugglers in here? People who struggle with migraines? Um, I am. I have incredible migraines. And if I don't take the right medication for them, they get absolutely horrendous. I've done everything to try and, and figure out what, what's, what's wrong. And, and, and I've had some, some pain where I'm literally writhing in pain in my bed, just begging God not to let me pass away because I'm, I, I'm not ready um, to, to leave my children yet. I mean, it's that kind of pain, right? Maybe Paul suffered from migraines. Maybe um, it was um, some sort of a physical thing like, like kidney stones. Can you imagine having to go through kidney stones in the ancient days when there's like no doctors, no medicine, no, none of that, right? All the guys are like shrinking in their, in their chairs. They're like, oh, no, I don't even want to think about that, you know? You got to pass that thing. I mean, Paul could have been like, if, if you've ever had that experience, you're like, man, I would be begging God, please remove this now, right? This has got to get out, right? You know, maybe um, it was, some people think that it was Paul um, just in his deep burden for the church. Maybe it was his deep burden for the church, and it just really, really affected him. We don't know exactly what the stake in the flesh was for Paul. And when the Bible doesn't tell us something explicitly, I think it's because we don't really need to know exactly what it was. Because what it's really trying to do is it's trying to relate to all of us. Because we all have something that... We're going through. We all have some sort of a thing that's, that's the real pain to us, and maybe we've gone through it before, and we've experienced it before. For Paul, it was deep. It truly was deep. It truly was painful. It was real. It affected his ministry, and he wanted it gone, and not soon enough. So much so that he pleaded with God three times. Like, he, he remembers those three times. They were three very special times that he remembers getting on his knees and crying out to God, maybe at the top of his lungs. Maybe he was in the bottom of a ship on one of his min, uh, missionary journeys, and he got in the bottom of the ship, and he was by himself and just said, God, please take it away from me. Maybe um, it was in, in, in a room where, where he was ministering to some people and staying in somebody's house, and it was just overwhelming him, and he said, and he said God, please, please, please take this away for me. Maybe he was out, out by himself in the woods somewhere and, and he was just crying out to God and had a moment where it was just intense, incredible pain. But he said, three times I begged that God would take it from me. Just an incredible amount of pain. Because when we go through great pain, pain leads us to an easier way. It leads us to want an easier way out. We have this incredible pain in our lives, maybe this incredible struggle or a burden or something that we're going through and we want it gone. And we want to go that easier way. And you may be saying, yeah, that's exactly right. Or maybe I'll just avoid the pain. Maybe I'll just avoid the weakness. And, um, and, and we get to experience, we, well, we all get to a point of experiencing this pain. 
There's, they say that you're, you're one of three people. Maybe you're going into a time of weakness, going into a time of struggle. Maybe you're in the middle of a struggle right now, or maybe you've just come out of a struggle. But it's, it's gonna hit us all. Something is gonna hit us all. And when that does, then our natural reaction as humans is to want a way out, to want an easier way. If we've lost our job, we want a job. If we have no money to pay the bills, we want money to pay the bills, right? If, we, if we're lonely, we're experiencing incredible loneliness, we want company. If we're depressed, we want joy. If we have anxiety, we want serenity. If we're tired, we want rest. Maybe somebody has wronged you, or maybe somebody's even wronged somebody you see around the world, and you want justice. When there's conflict, we want peace. When there's death, we want life. And pain leads us to want an easier way. And when that path is easy, we rely on ourselves. When that path is easy, we rely on our own strength and our own self instead of depending on God. And you may be saying, what's, what's wrong with that? I've always relied on myself and it's got me okay so far. Because the reality of it is, is when you go through this life only depending on yourself, you will find yourself wanting. You'll find that something's not quite right. You will find that there's some sort of a void, some sort of a something more that you're looking for. So God uses the difficult things in our lives to make us stronger, to give us more faith, to give us a witness, to give us a story. And sometimes it's for us. Sometimes we need to go through that struggle so that we can get to a better place. And we think, well, I don't need to get to a better place or me and God are good. Maybe you're going through a struggle so that you can help somebody else. Maybe God is going, you're going through the struggle and he can use your story to minister to somebody else. That's one of the things I always say to people who say, hey, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church. Me and God are great. Me and God are good. I don't need to go to church to express my faith. Yeah, you don't really need to, but maybe somebody at church needs you. Maybe somebody at church needs you. The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of the believers, but encourage each other. We all need encouragement. Maybe you're okay. Maybe somebody needs your story. So Paul pleaded with God three times. And you know what God said? God said no. Paul was like the best Christian ever, right? And if any prayer is going to get answered, if there's anybody you think God would say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and give, him a, give him a yes. I'm going to go ahead and slide a yes Paul's way right now. If there's anybody, it would be the apostle Paul, right? Well, God answered his prayer with a no. It wasn't an unanswered prayer. Garth Brooks has an old song that says, it's called Unanswered Prayer. And he says, thank God for unanswered prayer. It wasn't an unanswered prayer. It was an answer, no. Sometimes God may answer yes. Sometimes he may say wait. But this time to Paul, he said no. But he said this. He said, grace is enough. Does this mean that Paul shouldn't have asked for it to be removed? No, it's a very real thing for him to do. He, he asked for it, but God in his sovereignty knows the right thing to do and when to deliver us from pain, and when to let us go through it to get us to a new place. When God doesn't remove the pain, he gives us grace to endure it. 
And that brings us to the verse that I want to spend a lot of, bit, a lot of time on this morning, verse 9. So pull up your Bible there and look at verse 9. It says this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This was God's answer. My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I went to this because this was a key verse that I really wanted to look at, so I went to the original language, and I looked at this passage, and it's actually a little bit backwards, a little bit weird, because it's in, a, it's in Greek, and um, it's actually in what's called a chiastic form, which is a, a little bit of artistic poetry, and it actually looks like this, okay? Um, so you've got, it, it says this in the, in the original Greek. It says, is sufficient for you my grace, my power, in weakness is perfected. That's how it looks in the original language. It's all different letters, obviously, as Greek letters and stuff. But, you know, it says, is sufficient for you, my grace, my power, in weakness is perfected. And so this is what's called a chiasm, and it's, and it's leading up to a, a main point and leading out of the main point with the same form, right? So we can tell that the, the main point of this scripture is God's grace and God's power, God gives us grace so that we can experience his power. And that is by way of weaknesses, struggles, pain. He gives us grace to experience his power. So let's look at God's grace. What is God's grace? What does grace mean? This is how I always remember it. Um, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. This word grace is used, it's, it's the, in Greek it's called charis. You may have heard that one before. It's called charis and it's used 155 times in the Bible. It's a really important word and when, it's ta- when it talks about God's grace, it always talks about it as an overwhelming, abundant, bountiful grace that God wants to lavish his riches upon his children. If you're a parent in the room, don't you want to just bless your children, sometimes you want to wring their neck, but don't you just really want to bless your children and give them everything that you can give them? If you've ever dropped your kid off at college, I haven't yet, but um, all the parents that I know, they say, I love to take my kid to college and I love to take them to the grocery store and just load up their refrigerator. Just, I wish I could just give them everything I could give them to set them off to, to, do, to do their very best. And that's how God is with us. He wants to lavish his riches upon us. He loves us so much. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has everything to do with his goodness. That's something we should have got a couple more amens out of. I'm saying, I mean, I mean God is a good and mighty God, you know? And, and he wants to give us his best. Let me, let me show you a couple of scriptures that talk about God's, um, God's grace. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Where sin increased, can I... Do we got some sinners in the room? Okay. Where sin increased, I bet you I got more than you, um, grace increased all the more. That means that you can't sin too much for God. His grace will cover your sin. Some people say, I've done too much. I've been too bad. I'm too rotten of a person. The Bible makes it clear that grace increases to cover whatever you've done. By the, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. 
bountifully. God's grace came to me abundantly and bountifully. It was overwhelming to me. In Ephesians chapter two, verse seven, Paul writes, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. God is the richest being in the universe. God everything, right? Anything he wants. And his incomparable riches are given to us. In 2 Corinthians, a little earlier in this book that we're in this morning, um, Paul writes, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. God is able. You might think there's no way he's able to cover my sin. There's no way it's available to me. But God is able to make it abound to you. Grace literally means unmerited favor. It means there's nothing you could do to earn it. It also means there's nothing you could do to lose it. Amen. God's grace offers us favor of the Lord. I mean, he would be a good God just to offer us salvation and then go off to another galaxy far away. But our God actually wants to draw close to us and he looks on us with favor only because of Jesus. That's what the, the, there's a biblical word, call, word called propitiation, that, that Jesus is our propitiation, means that God looks at us with favor because of Jesus. It has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with me, but has everything to do with God. Man, his grace is amazing. Let's look at the word power. God gives us grace to experience his power. The word power used here and used in other places in the Bible is dunamis. Dunamis sounds a little bit like dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite. Pow, explosion, big, a lot of power, right? How many of you have ever seen dynamite? Anybody ever seen dynamite? We got a couple in the house. I've never seen dynamite. I'd like to see dynamite. That'd probably be kind of cool, right? But I, I imagine you don't have to be like, stand close and be like, hey, let's see what this is gonna do, right? Let's kind of, you know, hit it with a stick while we light it. No, you light it and you run, right? You get out of there. Why? Because that thing's gonna explode. It's powerful. And that's the word used to describe, it's all we got to describe God's power. And I imagine that God's power is infinitely greater than that. We experience his grace, or we, he gives us grace to experience his power. The power of God in Exodus is described as one where Moses stuck his staff in the water and the actual sea split to allow a million people to walk on dry land. That's the power of my God. The power of my God is described in the Bible when Jesus came and he went onto the Sea of Galilee and there were storms that can rise up in a, in a hurry on the Sea of Galilee. He, he walked out there and he said, let it be calm. And at the sound of his voice, the wind and the seas obeyed him. That's the power of my God. When Jesus went out there and he called Lazarus to come forth, when Lazarus was dead for four days, they say, this is kind of a preacher thing, who knows what it really was. They say that he said, Lazarus, come forth, because if he just said, come forth, every dead person would have come walking out of there. And they could have, because of the power of our God, the dunamis of our God. At the crucifixion, Jesus forgave his torturers. Those Romans beat him within an inch of his life. It wasn't the 39 lashes. That's what Jews did. The Romans knew how to beat him so that he would come right up to death's door and not die. And Jesus forgave them. That's some pretty heavy power. The power of forgiveness. He can offer that kind of forgiveness to you. He can also give you that kind of forgiveness 
to share with other people when people hurt you greatly. When your world is crumbling around you, God gives us grace to experience his power. When the pain feels like a stake in your heart and in your life, God gives us grace to experience his power. When the weight of the struggle is almost too much to bear, and for some people we know it was too much for them to bear, but God can give you grace to experience his power. Whether it's temptations, or whether it's relationships gone bad, or whether it's just something that's straight up out of your control, God gives us grace. Don't discount the grace of God. Because through those struggles, you can walk through it and receiving the grace of God, endure it, have a story, and then you look back and see, God brought me through that. Makes your faith stronger. It makes your faith to see that 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 was a real thing that God provided for me, that God gave to me, that God walked me through. You might think that grace is big enough for everybody else, but it's not big enough for you. Because it's easy to talk about how God can forgive those people, but it's a little bit harder to think that it will cover your sin. I want to share with you a little story. It's from a book that John MacArthur wrote called Our Sufficiency in Christ. John MacArthur is the guy out there at um, Grace Church in California that you've probably seen is getting all of the heat for gathering together out in California. That's John MacArthur. And he wrote this book called um, Our Sufficiency in Christ. And, and he tells this story in there of Charles Spurgeon, who's coming home after a, a long, weary day of work. And, and he was just beat down and depressed. And, and the verse came to his mind that said, my grace is sufficient for you. In his mind, immediately, he compared himself to this little fish in the Thames River who was apprehensive because of drinking so many um, little pints of water in the river each day that he might drink the river, the river dry. And then Father Thames came to the little fish and said, drink up, little fish, because my streams are sufficient for you. And then his mind was drawn to a little mouse in Joseph's granaries in Egypt, And this little mouse was um, afraid lest its daily nibbles exhaust the supplies of the granaries and Egypt die of starvation. Then Joseph comes along to that little mouse and said, cheer up little mouse, my granaries are sufficient for you. And then he thought of this man climbing a high mountaintop to reach its lofty summit and then dreading breathing so much that he might suck out all of the air in the oxygen. And then the creator comes and booms his voice out of heaven saying, breathe away, oh man, and fill your lungs. My atmosphere is sufficient for you. And this is the kind of sufficiency that God's grace is for you. How crazy to think that a little mouse could eat the the granaries of Egypt, gone. How crazy is it to think that we could suck out all of the oxygen of the atmosphere? It's just as crazy for us to think that we could exasperate the grace of God. 
God's grace is an is is abounding, unlimited, unmatched, incomparable grace that we can't even understand. But this is how God works. The little boy brought two, uh, uh, like five loaves and two fish. And what happened? He fed 5,000 men, probably just as many women or maybe more, and then a bunch of kids. So there are probably more than 15,000 people there. And he fed them all off of just that little bit. And he had 12 baskets of food left over, leftovers. It was abundant. It was bountiful. It was incomparable. And there was stuff left over. And everybody had their fill. That's how the grace of God works. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you to the fullest to give you abundant life. When Jesus turned the water into wine, it was at the end of the wedding and they didn't run out because he provided it for them. There was an overwhelming amount of the best kind that there was. Twice he gave the disciples an overwhelming catch when he said to cast your nets on the other side. The nets started to break, the boat started to sink and they caught, even one of the times they recorded 153 fish. That's a lot of fish to clean, isn't it? It was overwhelming. That's a lot of fish to eat. That's the kind of abundant grace that God has for you. It's big enough for somebody else, but it's also big enough for you. And God may be saying to you this morning, come as you are. You don't have to clean up before you come to Jesus. You don't have to get your life right. You don't have to get a good church attendance going before you can come to Jesus, before he can forgive you, come as you are. But the reality of it is, is that you can come how you are, but he doesn't wanna leave you that way. He doesn't wanna leave you that way. He wants to transform your life in the best way possible. So right here in this auditorium, I wanna encourage you to come to Jesus. Maybe you're on the, on, on, sitting on your couch in the living room on the live stream. Maybe you're riding in your car listen, listening to this message and, and God is speaking to you and you need to just pull over and, and, and accept the Lord right where you are, accept his grace to experience his power. And maybe this morning, if you wanna do that, I'm gonna be waiting right here. We might have some counselors over here that can talk with you. If you wanna accept God's grace, come as you are. So as the band plays, wherever you are, cry out to the Lord right now and accept his grace that he offers to you abundantly. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this time that we could gather together, hear from your word and experience you. Lord, I thank you for salvation. Most of all, I thank you for Jesus. God, come move in this place in Jesus' name.
pray that you will go after experiencing God's grace and share that grace with somebody else. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Thank you guys. Have a great day. God bless you.